This is One on One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With the top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is One on One's NFL Friday. There's a blizzard outside, and we still managed to get enough people in here for our final edition of NFL Friday until we get to the NFL draft in April. So glad you spent your time where you're probably cuddled up next to a fire listening to us here during this blizzard. Mike Watson, Kenny Ducey with you for the ultimate ending to this uh, show series, Kenny. It ends with what was a phenomenal Super Bowl. I really enjoyed it, but there was such an anticlimactic ending. I mean, you, you can't admit, you can't deny the fact that there was so much buildup, you know what I mean? So the last couple minutes, the Niners come back and then fourth you know fourth and goal and then there's a debatable call and everyone you know yells at the tv like it happens every super bowl well we will have dave sims who is the national voice of the nfl on dial global coming up in just a moment we're also going to talk giants and jets big news for both of them here so we're going to go ahead and get to all that a little bit later but right now we begin our show here with the voice of Sunday Night Football on the radio for Dial Global and Mariners TV for Root Sports, Dave Sims. Dave, how are you? Doing well, guys. What's happening? Doing Not great much. in this. Uh, Very I mean, cold, though. You got out of New York <laughs> at a good time. Well, now I'm still here. And, oh. Uh, it's, it's snowing. I, I'm seeing the same thing you guys are. It's, uh, I was out a couple hours ago, and it is really picking up now. It's swirling and uh you know, it could be the big storm they were talking about. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's clearly it's not a false alarm. No, absolutely not. But let's go ahead and talk a little bit about the uh, NFL here. A little bit about the Super Bowl. Ravens beat the 49ers 34-31. Did this game live up to the billing despite such a terrible start? Um, yeah, you know, I, I like San Francisco close going into that game. I, I, I like their offensive line. I like their defensive line. Uh, you know, they uh, Kaepernick came out a little bit uh, shaky. They got behind big, and then they, you know, then they had the outage. Everybody knows about that. But uh, hey, good for Baltimore. I had seen them the year before, and uh, you know, they were one catch away from going to the Super Bowl. Uh, Lee Evans drops that pass from a perfect pass from Flacco, and then Flacco comes back, and now he's Mr. Football. I have to ask you a question, Dave. Now Flacco, you just mentioned he wins. Uh, the MVP of the game, but I was talking with a couple friends after the game, and Jacoby Jones, he had one heck of a ball game. Do you think someone else was deserving of this, or is Flacco the guy? Uh, you know what, at, at this point, this far afterwards, I, I, I wasn't really paying that much attention uh, to the awards afterwards, and even now it's even less important to me, but you can make a case for... Uh, you can make a case for Jacoby Jones. The main thing is that, you know, for Baltimore and their, their uh, organization and their fans, they won. I don't think anybody's really quibbling about it. If anybody's ticked off, it might be J- Jacoby Jones, but he'll get over it. Obviously, we've already had the, the peak of the season this year. I'm beginning to look a little bit towards next year. The 49ers obviously bring back a lot of their team. The Ravens lose a lot of pieces. Is there a team right now that you think has a great chance to return to this platform in a year? Um, again, let's, I would say, you know, Seattle's building quite well with their quarterback with, uh, they need a pass rusher, another pass rusher ahead. Who is it? Um, Clements got hurt. Uh, they could use a pass rusher. I like the way their offense is, uh, was run by Russell Wilson. Uh, I think Atlanta, Atlanta will probably be back. Uh, I look for Pittsburgh to probably, probably get back in a mix. 
Um, I, I think you can look for the usual suspects. I mean, um, uh, I know it'll be a different story in Philly. You know, the Giants will retool a little bit. I think you'll have the, the usual eight, nine suspects. Now, Dave, I, I want to ask you, because everyone's got their own opinion on this, going back to the game here. Was it a hold in the corner of the end zone on Michael Crabtree? Um, you could you could say it was, but I like Herm Edwards' explanation that uh, the receiver did a bad job getting off the line and didn't create enough uh, uh, separation. It was infighting on both guys' parts, and, um, and and there you have it. I said the play call was a lousy call. I hate that fade. Uh, I don't mind that fade pattern first, second down, but third, fourth down, game of the line, you can't make that fade call, I don't think, unless you're having two experienced guys, the, the thrower and the receiver. So I thought it was a bad call. I thought they did a bad job inside the 10 not running the ball. When you look at uh, San Francisco going into that series, into that game, knowing that they have such an outstanding uh, offensive line, I, I thought they would at least run it or throw something a play action off a of play action, throw something over the middle. And, of course, we're talking with Dave Sims, the voice of Sunday Night Football on Dial Global, the national uh, radio network of the NFL. Dave, I, I want to go back to what you said there about the play calling on that final set of downs for the 49ers. What would you have done differently? You say you would have would not have run a fade on that fourth down, but would you have run in that situation? Do you think Kaepernick should have been running? Well, read option probably would have been a good one going left or right. His best uh, side is running to the right, and, and when you talk about having Frank Gore's short yardage situation, I think that's a pretty good plus. Now, Dave, I want to switch it up here and go to the awards because there were a lot of awards given out, and there was a big debate about whether Adrian Peterson or Manning wins comeback player or MVP. Do you think that it was possible for Peterson to win comeback player and MVP, or did uh, Manning really uh, overcome the odds better than Adrian Peterson did? They both were off the chart. I mean, you're talking 11 and a half, 12 months ago, AP has you know, complete knee surgery. Peyton's coming off of four neck surgeries. I mean, it's almost a flip of coin. You know, I'm surprised that you could have had him share both awards, MVP and uh, comeback. I mean, remarkable comebacks. I don't know how you can really put uh, one over the other. And, and uh, Peyton takes a takes a ball club that was okay, and you know they had that one moment of glory with uh, with uh, Tebow to Demarius Thomas and makes them into a dominant team. They go on a long winning streak, and AP carried that entire team. So. If they had made them co-winners in both categories, I wouldn't have had a problem with it. Well, and one of the awards that I think you probably had a decent stake in, you've been on the East Coast, you've been on the West Coast in your career. Russell Wilson had a phenomenal season, only one of the rookie quarterbacks to win a playoff game. A lot of people thought he should have won Rookie of the Year, but the Seattle quarterback did not win it. What were your thoughts on that? And obviously some very good uh, competition for that award this year. Yeah, I, I, I bring a little bias in that uh, he's a Wisconsin guy, graduated the same year as my son at Wisconsin, saw a lot of his games, and you know, and the other part of the bias is, you know, I do have my work in Seattle, but he, I thought he was really marvelous, and the fact that he won a playoff game, RG3 didn't, RG3 wound up getting hurt, Russell played all the way through the playoffs, uh, it's taken nothing away from RG3. I thought he was outstanding. Uh, seems like a good kid. Both of them are great. They're really great kids, these young quarterbacks. Uh, but, you know, again, I don't, I don't get that fired up over that kind of stuff. The main thing is that Wilson's healthy. He's established a great trend moving forward in Seattle. And he's he's easily – he's probably just behind Felix. He is just behind Felix uh, Hernandez in, uh, in Seattle in terms of being the most acclaimed, acclaimed athlete in the Pacific Northwest. 
Now, moving on from awards to uh, a higher award, I guess, the NFL Hall of Fame. They had their, uh, they named their new inductees uh, just about a week ago, Dave. And I want to know if anything stands out in your mind, a guy who really got snubbed or a guy maybe like Chris Carter who really deserved to get in there and you're happy. Well, if I had a, if I had a vote, I would have put Strahan in before Warren Sapp. And I think, yeah, I said Hall of Famer, but I just thought Strahan, if you're putting those two one against each other, would have taken Strahan. Um, and who else? I, that was about it. Carter getting in, I thought it was about time. Um, and everybody else is pretty much a no-brainer. From my era, from my youth, I thought it was great. They finally got Dave Robinson in from the 60s Packers. He was a dominant outside linebacker, great player, Penn State guy. Um, I thought that was a great choice. Parcells was a no-brainer. And who else was in that list? They had Jonathan Ogden in. No, no brainer. Also, also in the hall, the class with Ray Lewis. And then uh, who else did they have, Mike? I think they had. Uh, they did not have Modell. No, they did not have our Modell. I actually wanted to ask you, Dave, yeah, about that. Yeah, you can that. make a real good case for him to go in because of what he did to make t- uh, football the dominant TV sport. And uh, uh, you know, he was a lo- obviously a longtime owner of the Browns. Moved them to uh, Baltimore. Got that uh, Super Bowl back in 2000. I'm not better. <laughs> um, yeah, no, no, but I tell you, and what he did, it was his coming from Madison Avenue, knowing Madison Avenue, how to work with it, make it work for him. Uh, he and he and Roselle are, are probably t- easily two guys as much responsible for the uh, mega TV success the NFL enjoys. Now, Dave, I want to talk to you a little bit about the season in review, just to Obviously, you did plenty of great games this year. You got the primetime game on Dial Global. What's the best game you called this season, maybe the most memorable for you? Of course, this comes after a season which I believe you called two perfect games and a no-hitter. Yeah, yeah it, was a, it was a good run. It was a good run. Um, I've already pretty much forgotten most of those football games. The one game, one of the real exciting games was, uh, what was it, December 16th. Uh, Niners are blowing out New England. They're up 28 nothing. Brady brings them back, and I think uh, the Niners had to win 42-35 or something like that. That was a great game. And then the next week we were in Seattle, and the, and the uh, Seahawks blew out San Francisco. Um, those are the two that sort of come to mind. Uh, the Eagles-Giants was pretty good early. Uh, that was week four. Week one, I think it was Pittsburgh-Denver. Peyton showed that he still, you know, he had it. He got out of the gate strong. Uh, I'd have to. I don't have my list in front of me, but those are the ones that sort of stand out off the top of my head. And Dave, last question here: You uh, with the Mariners? Spring training starts soon. Pitchers and catchers are about to report. When do you get to go south? Uh, I go down on the twenty-eighth. Uh, pitchers and catchers coming up on Tuesday. The t- uh, t- yeah, Tuesday the twelfth. And uh, yeah, looking forward to it. It's uh, and and getting out of the snow will be will be will be big. But, uh, yeah, I mean, hey, if you're a baseball fan, how do you not get excited about the start of a, of a new baseball you know, season? Everybody's optimistic. Everybody, you know, even bad teams, you feel good about the start of baseball. So, you know, we'll see what happens. And I think we have a chance. Uh, I think we have a chance to finish 500, if not better. Uh, yeah, everybody has to play Houston. I get that. But I, I think there's uh, going to be growth from our young kids. I think Morales, uh, his being obtained, for uh, Jason Vargas, I thought that was a good hookup. Uh, Joe Saunders signed today, lefty, veteran lefty. He'll probably be our number five guy. And that still keeps us in position for about one, two, four young, highly regarded pitchers. There's no pressure on them to make the club out of spring training. And if somebody breaks through, great. 
but that certainly sets up for uh, for next year in terms of that. But you need Justin Smoke to hit, you need Ackley to hit, um, uh, Montero to, to hopefully you know, his name being on that uh, that Miami uh, what was it the uh, Biogenesis that whole thing. Uh, hopefully he'll be healthy and he'll be able to play. So if we can hit, we were in all I think four of the major power categories. Uh, we were dead last. Matter of fact, I happen to have it right here. We were last in batting average, on base percentage, slugging, and OPS, and 28th in extra base hits. That's got to turn around. And you just locked up Felix though for seven years, so you got to be happy. About yeah, that's that. good. That's good. Yeah. I mean, that's a starting point. I mean, it doesn't, you know, it it, it doesn't want us to pen it, but it's good that, to know that you don't have to. We don't won't have to uh, endure any questions about when are you trading him to the or some Yankee fans like to say to me over the last couple of years when are you giving us Felix I don't have to put <laughs> up with that nonsense anymore and uh, you know we'll go from there. All right, Dave Sims, he's the voice of the Mariners on Root Sports as well as the radio voice of the NFL on Sunday night on Dial Global. Thanks for joining us and enjoy spring training. Thanks you so bet, much. fellas. Thanks a lot. Take care. Good that bad. was Dave Sims, a great guy. He was uh, obviously in New York. Spoke with. Some of us at WFUV yesterday, and uh, truly one of the good guys in, in the broadcasting realm, to be sure. But you look back at what he talked about, I personally thought his take on the Super Bowl, pretty interesting, but I really like what he talked about uh, in, in terms of uh, the, the Mariners. I, I know Jake Kring Schreifels <laughs> would agree. And, I mean, I'm a huge baseball fan, so you know I can talk about baseball for three or four hours, Mike, and... I don't know if I want to go down that path, but yeah, I mean, Mariners, they could have a good season. I really like Justin Smoke, too. I'm surprised that he hasn't hit better his pa- his first couple of years in, in the uh, league there, especially, I, he was one of my favorite prospects in his prospect class. But Kenny, isn't there a place you can listen to WFUV's take on baseball all oh, the yes, time? yes, there is. WFUV.org slash on deck. If, if you love this podcast thing, just keep it going. We have a baseball podcast with my bud Chris Venezia, and uh, every Tuesday, Monday and Thursday. There you go. Yeah. Plenty of uh, baseball I, I to talk about. I can't believe you just set me up to, to plug that. There you go. Unbelievable. It's your big day. Anywho, there's something bigger to talk about. How about the New York Giants? So the New York Giants obviously did not make the postseason. Bit of a slide at the end of the year. There were no questions about Tom Coughlin's future, though, which is very pleasant for all of us. We wouldn't want to deal with that. But there is some news to talk about here in our final show of the season for NFL Friday. The Giants releasing some fairly big names. Michael Boley on the way out, the middle linebacker who was injured for much of this season. Canty is gone, and Ahmad Bradshaw, who obviously came in, I believe, a seventh-round draft pick who uh, ended up playing out of his skull in 07 uh, in the Super Bowl run and then all the way through these past few years. I think he's seventh or eighth all-time in Giants rushing lore. But what are your thoughts on on getting rid of all these players that played such a big role these past few years, Kenny? Well, it certainly hurts the Giants to lose Bradshaw, and I did read an article, I think, yesterday that he hasn't ruled out a return, so maybe there's a restructuring of a contract there. I'm not sure, but right now, yeah, he's not on the roster, and the Giants, they have a hole at running back because I don't think David Wilson can carry the load and take over uh, you know, the lion's share of carries. He's just a speed back. He's young. He's a speed back. There's questions about his his, his, hand, his ball security. There's the word. And, and then Andre Brown, on the other hand, yeah, you've only seen a little small sample size of him. You don't know if he can be that power back. 
I, I don't know. I think they're going to have to go and get a a, a a running back, but the leadership, you know, with Canty out now, that also hurts too. And Bowley, and everyone loved Bowley. Everyone liked Canty. And those are two guys that, you know, it's sad to see him go. Well, and DJ and Jake behind the glass finding the stats for us. Number six all-time in Giants rushing uh, records list is Ahmad Bradshaw. Number four, Brandon Jacobs. Number one, Tiki Barber. So the past uh, decade, decade and a half has really been good to Giants running backs. So I believe the only player over 10,000 yards in that list was Tiki. But when you look at the overall changes to the defense, Canty and Bowley, big differences. Do you think it's addition by subtraction at the end of the day with the age and, and the injuries that they dealt with? Well, yeah. I mean, that is it. And then, you know, the team we're about to talk about in a second, you know, the, the Jets and Bart Scott, the same thing there is he was just old and he was getting hurt a little bit. And that happens in every sport, in football, namely, because football, you don't really see a guy remain with a team for, you know, the over seven years, really, unless it's a quarterback or maybe a running back. But other than that, I mean, linebackers, their lifespan on a team is usually not that long. So it's not, you know, too uh, too surprising to see these guys age and, and get out of there. But still, I mean, they're still serviceable players, Mike. You know, you can't take anything away from them. Well, and obviously another player that was added, we talked about maybe a little bit of addition by subtraction, but Sean Rogers, one of the one of the big boys up front, clearly eating his uh, eating his meat and potatoes <laughs> of Browns and Lions lore, if memory serves, uh, playing defensive tackle for them, was signed by the Giants. Maybe a way to shore up the run defense and maybe get a little bit of a push in terms of the uh, pass rush that really lacked this year. Yeah, it really, it really did, and it's surprising because that's how the Giants won two Super Bowls in, you know, in this last decade was their pass rush. Well, and, and nobody left. You right. still had Uminora. You still have, you still you had... still have Uminora, JPP. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I just took the words yeah, right out, out of my mouth. mouth. And, uh, and, yeah, now Rocky Bernard's a free agent. DJ's telling me in the back. And, you know, you, you look at this pass rush, and is it a down year for JPP? Is it, you know, chemistry issues? Is it coaching? You don't know what it is, but you know these three players can get it done rushing the passer. And we'll no obviously see if Yuminura is a giant in the long term. Right. I believe he could be very well out the door. With, even without him, though. Right. The, the ends with, with uh, Pierre, Paul, and Tuck. I don't know if it gets a lot better than that in the National Football League. And to not have a good pass rush, not have a top five pass rush, that's un- unacceptable with that talent. Absolutely not. I, I completely agree with that sentiment. But overall, the Giants have a lot of work to do to make themselves a playoff team, as any team that missed will have to. Uh, make a run but of course when you look at the grand scheme of things looking forward to next year if the Giants win one or two more games and there were a few where they were very close I think the Eagles game way back in week one or two maybe week two uh, was obviously a game that I look back at that the Giants should have had I think I think they memory serves that was a field goal uh, win uh, last second by the Eagles but Those are the games that matter. Those, obviously, along with the games in the middle where Eli Manning really didn't play all that inspired a a game of football uh, for a few weeks straight. So, in all, the way I look at it, and maybe you agree, maybe you don't, Kenny, this team has playoffs written all over them next year, regardless of who they drop. I'd I'd say so, just because you still got Eli, still got that good defense. I would like to see him pick up a running back, though. Because at least Bradshaw brought something to the table and you know helped them establish some sort of running game, and I just don't think that that can be facilitated with just David Wilson uh, in his second year. I mean, I I like what I saw out of him in some spots, but again, the one big game he had, you have to remember that most of those yards he got all purpose were on kickoff returns, and he's very fast, he's very elusive, but 
still, I mean, to go crazy over one hundred yard game uh, is, is you shouldn't do that. You know what I mean? I, I think you gotta wait. You gotta see what Wilson gives you in the future. And I would probably bring in a veteran back just to take some of the load off his shoulders. All right, so let's leave the Giants for now and talk about a team that maybe is a little bit more of a work in progress, gangrene. A little more. A, a little more a little work. More. Uh, Eli Manning perhaps has a little more of a pedigree at this point than Mark Sanchez, Greg McElroy, or the cavalcade of mediocrity they seem to throw at the quarterback position. Rex Ryan obviously retained the GM coming in, new guy. We talked about that all a few weeks ago. If you want to hear that, there, there are places to find it in the archives. So go find that. Right now let's talk a little bit about the big change they're going to make. We talked about it off the air. Aging player Bart Scott likely to be cut by the Jets. It just seems like his time had come. I mean, I, I know what he's thinking about it. Can't wait. He can't wait. <laughs> he can't. Can we play that one more time? Do we still have can't it? Can't wait. All can't right. Can't wait for what? His next team? Or? Yeah, he can't wait. He can't wait to leave the Jets. And not, and not only him, <laughs> Calvin Pace and Jason Smith. Now, Jason Smith, you know, not as much of a, of really a miss here. No, he sort of showed up and he left. I mean, first he was round, right. Yeah. He was a first round pick of the Rams, offensive tackle, and he was a complete bust. Jets trade a draft pick for him. They put him in as a fullback on a lot of jumbo packages. Didn't work out, and he's gone. And as <laughs> that was a little bit early. Was that like I have to stop talking now? No, no, you're good. And Continue, anyway, they, please. They, now they cut. <laughs> now they're going to cut 27 million in their cap, and now they're going to be under under the salary cap, and now maybe a little more wiggle room to uh, to figure something out. Taking that one like a champ, Kenny. Uh, but obviously, Bart Scott quite the quite the loss, I think, just in the locker room. But at the end of, at the end of the day. I think this locker room needs to lose a lot in order to regain its integrity here. So, in all, I end up thinking that'll that'll be a good thing. But you look at the overall Jets squad, and it just seems like there's a lot of work to be done. It seems like next year, I don't know that really any addition they make, whether it be Alex Smith or Michael Vick, it's really going to catapult them into being a playoff team. The best thing they can do, draft mm -hmm. Jarvis Jones and draft Landry Jones. That's that's my uh, that's my formula to have a winning season this year. I think Landry Jones. I don't think he can take over the quarterback duties year one. I mean, he could if Sanchez is really terrible in camp, but uh, certainly can compete for that job. And uh, and I, he should be a second round pick. So the Jet, you know, if the Jets can get some sort of late first round, early second round pick uh, in a trade to get Landry Jones. And the other side, I think Jarvis Jones, great pass rusher. He'll he'll make you easily forget about Calvin Pace. Now there's not, you know, there's a lot of question about who is going to be available there, but I, I think Jones should be available at nine. And, you know, nonetheless, Demario Davis, they drafted him last year. He's been uh, just such a hard worker and uh, really has shown a lot to them, at least last year in training camp. So he'll probably get a lot more playing time now. And you know, you still have David Harris, who had a down year last year, but still uh, one of the premier middle linebackers in the game, in my opinion. He's one of the best. So, obviously, the Jets bear watching, if not just to watch that train crash. But hopefully it's next year. It's already crashed. It's <laughs> in flames, Mike. Hopefully next year they're able to get back on the tracks and go back to where they were just a few years ago when they were competing year in and year out to go to the AFC Championship game and perhaps a Super Bowl. So, let's go ahead, switch away from New York football for just a moment, talk about the NFL at large. 
And I, I just want to go over those AP awards that are handed out the day before the Super Bowl for just a moment. MVP, we talked about it a little bit last week. Adrian Peterson, obviously a guy who got a lot of consideration and ended mm-hmm. up getting the nod, but Peyton Manning as well. Defensive Rookie of the Year, Luke Keekley, not a surprise. Offensive Rookie of the Year, no that surprise. that's really, in the end of the day, not a big surprise. Uh, but all in all, it turned out to be pretty much as we projected it, you know, pretty much straightforward. I, I think so, but there was one guy – who I really thought had a great chance. I think you thought he had a great chance, too, at winning the MVP. Sure. Yeah. Who's on the Broncos? I got my orange and blue jersey. Always fucking retro. Number seven on the back when I hit Infesco. Donkey on the shoulder of my orange and blue sweatshirt. Snap back, Broncos cap like, let's go. Hey, Peyton, what you waiting for? I said Peyton, I think it's time to How do you lose a playoff game? How do you lose a playoff game when you have a song made about you like that? I think every team has a song now, don't they? Is that yeah, something that, they did this year? But, yeah, but that wasn't their song. That was, uh, I, I guess they're big Broncos fans, so before they played uh, the Ravens, they made that song, and I thought it was going to be Ray Lewis Retirement Day, but of course that just came a few days ago. Yeah, well, it ended up being a, a retirement day indeed, and that's the other storyline I want to talk about, at least for a moment here. Obviously, Ray Lewis gone, and I, I saw an interesting article in The Ram, a, an op-ed piece by our own Alex Smith. Uh, talked to him a little bit about it yesterday. Yeah, everyone reads The Ram, don't they? It's such a great newspaper. Anywho, I think it's the Alex Fordham Smith's, Ram now, isn't it? Alex Smith is, is a nationally syndicated writer. Come on. And a great backup quarterback for any team in the league. Hey, he does some great bumpers, too. <laughs> he does. You you hear him every single week, and you don't even know who he is. And he won my award for best Smith. He, <laughs> uh, I'm going to let that one go and just move <laughs> on. When you look at Ray Lewis retiring, is it not, in my, in my opinion, I agree with him, isn't it better for the league? I felt like Ray Lewis's retirement tour took over the league for the for the end of the year. Do you think it was a good thing or a bad thing at the end of the day? Um, well, they're building a statue in front of their stadium. I hope you're kidding. I'm not kidding. They're building a <laughs> statue of Ray Lewis, and uh, yeah, this thing, humongous media frenzy. Everyone was going crazy, you know, watching these games. The camera's always on Ray Lewis. They put him out. Uh, in his last game at in in Baltimore, they put him out on the victory formation. I mean, what what is that? What is that? That's absolutely ridiculous. The guy's drooling on the field, doing his little dance on the field while there's still time on the clock. That's absurd. I'm sorry. This whole thing took up way too much of the of the national media. And when he gets to the Super Bowl, that's fine. The Super Bowl, you need stuff to talk about. You need players to focus on. You know, pieces on guys' journeys here, that's one thing, to t- you know, to really recognize the career of Ray Lewis and how he got to this point. But just throughout the whole playoffs, just to throw away, you know, great stories like Peyton Manning, how about Andrew Luck, who also lost to the, to the Ravens, you know, Tom Brady really needs to get to the Super Bowl because he's probably right up there with Montana. He's just Super Bowl-wise not at the same level. There's so many storylines, and yet all we're talking about is this is this middle linebacker who's a shell of himself, mm-hmm. who didn't even play that well in the Super Bowl, yet gets praised. Fair enough. I couldn't agree more, but, and I Alex Smith brought it up. I, I think it's a valid point. Yeah, but I mean, nonetheless, career-wise, a very long career, 
and it was a pretty good career. He was one of the most fear-inducing linebackers in the league. Well, and it's not just his on-field play that made me fear him, but either way, I, he's, I, I, I concur, Mike. He, he's a, a player who's left quite the legacy in the NFL. <laughs> but as we uh, move on here, it's time to get to our final segment of the year. It's the same one we've done all year. It's Pick'em. I need to talk about who won this year because I feel like we have lacked in the uh, effort to make fun of the guy who came in last. But, oh, I will not lack in that today. Because some people miss games during the year, what we need to do is come up with a winning percentage. So I will start at the bottom with the guys who did not make enough picks to remain in the race. Nolan Silbernagel went six and two in his one week. Had it, babe. What an impressive number. Chris uh, Marasco went three and four below five hundred. Not gonna mm, cut that, it. No, not gonna cut it. And our own DJ Sixsmith, who is producing today and sending me all of his brilliant ideas right into my headset, was two and five. Oh, come on, DJ. That's that's a poor effort. As for the people who did make enough picks. But I was worse. S- Steve Seminary finished twenty-three and twenty-five, good for a four seventy-nine. Uh, winning percentage. Mac Rosenberg, our host emeritus, 32 and 25. He left us far too soon because he had more important things to do than this podcast. 561. Julian, 547, he's 64 and 53. Wow. But his producing mate, Nick Legerfo, finished 65 and 52. Good for a 556. I don't want to hear mine. That though. leaves us to the two of <laughs> oh, us. No. Kenny, you finished 39 and 46, which is good for a 459, worst in the league spot in the standings. Hey, I'm better than DJ over here. You are much better than DJ. <laughs> I don't think anyone ever doubted that. Finally, our champion, our winner, he deserves guac. We, this there's is no our, guac There's here. no guac, I for know. For like the last four weeks, we've been talking about the guacamole. <laughs> At 59 and 39, the only person over a 600 winning percentage at 6.02, it is Mike Watts. Your thoughts, Kenny? Wow. Doesn't the music make it so much better? Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. Great job. Great I, job. I'm very proud of myself. Now, this now, is... now, now we mock draft. I want to see who's right. <laughs> I want to see if you can, you know, figure out every player that's going to be drafted in the first round. I don't think I'm going to be able to do that. I, I might be able to get 31 I, of 32. I feel like you've done that before. I have done that, and I finished 31 <laughs> of 32. Uh, Janoris Jenkins, how dare you? That's where I stand on that. It's not even Janoris. It's the other Jenkins who got drafted by the Niners with the 31st pick. I remember that. I think it was a different Jenkins. Anywho, Leroy. it's time at least for a moment. <laughs> that Jenkins. <laughs> not, not that Jenkins. It's time to thank some people because Kenny and I don't do this alone, obviously. Let's begin with all of our guests today. Dave Sims from Dial Global and Root, uh, Root Sports does Sunday Night Football on the radio. Before this, though, we had Ryan Rucco of Yes and ESPN New York. Jerry Sandusky, the other one, the voice of the Ravens on WBAL. Mark Purdy, a columnist with the San Jose Mercury. Uh, Kenny Albert from Fox Sports and MSG Radio. He was a good one. Clark Judge of CBS Sports was on not once, not twice, but thrice. Always a great guest. Kevin Burkhard was on earlier of SNY and Compass Media Networks. Uh, obviously does a lot of work with the Nets, but SNY is the cable home 
of the Jets. The Mets. Uh, uh, sorry, what did I say? You said the, the, the Nets. Both. <laughs> the Nets. They're, they're the cable home of the Jets. Well, no, he says as well as Bur- the Burkhart's that, that third guy on the yes, Mets broadcast. Yes, he is. Uh, so I've been what? corrected correctly so. Mark Canizare of the New York Post was on twice. My, uh, Mike Garofolo, uh the NFL reporter for USA Today. Anthony Sola Heffinger, a Fordham grad. Uh, with the New York Post as well, Paul Schwartz from the New York Post, and of Schwartz. course the first guy we had on all year long, the voice of the New York Football Giants. Uh, he did the national, sorry, international feed on the radio for the Super Bowl, as well as a WFUV alum, Bob Papa, who of course hosts his show on Sirius XM during the week as well, giving us some time. So we had great guests all yeah, season. They were fantastic. I was really and. Props to you know the guys in the back, Julian and Nick, for really, especially Julian, for, for making that work. And uh, man, I mean, we just we're blessed with with so many great people on this show, and uh, you know, so many more people. I don't, I'm sure you can agree now to follow on Twitter. And I'm always laughing, and uh, you know, especially Mike, you know, Garifol and guys like that, writers who, you know, I'm constantly loving what they're tweeting. And so obviously, our thanks to them and to Bob Aaron's and Julian Atienza, Nick Lajerfo, who went out and got them every week. Uh, really is as good a pairing as a producer engineer as we could have asked for all season long. Our entire WFUV staff, though, has a role in making this happen. From Bob Ahrens, our executive sports producer, to our on-air and off-air staff. So time to thank some of them as well. Alex Smith is the first guy you hear on every show, and we never gave him any praise. I did. You just you just speak did. for yourself there, Watsy. I, I need to step he, in here. He got here. one of my awards. He did all the bumpers. He did. The best Smith. Uh, Jets beat reporter Joe Vidiello and Giants beat reporter with the best music, Eric Malo, and our fantasy correspondent, Steve Seminary. Our fill-in host throughout the year, uh, when I missed, when you missed, when Mac missed earlier in the year, came in and made it seem like uh, everyone here was uh, you know, being consistent with this show and uh, good consistency to have Nick Legerfo, Julian Atienza, DJ Sixsmith, Nolan Silbernagel, Chris Morasco, and of course Mac who came in later on in the season. And then our season-long producer and engineer, Julian Atienza and Nick Legerfo. So, the, of course, they deserve all of our thanks as well. Absolutely. None of this is possible without them. Finally, though, we have two guys behind the glass today who are doing hard work back there. It's Jake Kringstreifels and DJ Sixsmith. They leave you with this epic song about guacamole. guacamole. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yes. That's hopefully that made your day. I guess that's the guacamole. For today's crew, Kenny Ducey, Jay Kring Shrifles, and DJ Sixsmith, this I'm has Mike been Watts. One on Browns NFL Friday, only on WFUVSports.org. Join us next week as the guys take you around the NFL. We'll see you then.